This is Democracy on the Move. Democracy on the Move is a podcast tribute to the people and organizations who dare to reimagine our nation and drive it back to its original promise of democracy. This episode is being released on Sunday, April 16, 2023. I'm Dan Schaefer, your host for today's podcast, and thank you for joining us. In today's podcast, I'll talk about moving the line how authoritarian and fascist tendencies in this country are boiling the frog. That is, they're moving us slowly and imperceptibly away from democracy. But first, I'd like to spend a minute promoting the next phase for democracy on the move. It's called Dirt Road Radio. Now here's the thing. Every week, millions of Americans tune into radio talk and news shows, but 91% of the content is conservative and dominated by five big media companies. Meanwhile, a more well-balanced radio that appeals to Americans of all types has struggled to reach rural markets. Dirt Road Radio aims to change the game in the radio field by offering an alternative to the dominant conservative news and talk radio shows we hear. We want to share a wider horizon and broader range of voices and perspectives. Here's the problem we're trying to solve. Research shows that the urban-rural divide has grown dramatically in the last few decades, coinciding with the disappearance of local newspapers and the growing prominence of conservative talk radio. By harnessing the power of streaming technology, Dirt Road Radio seeks to bridge this divide and provide a much-needed alternative to rural listeners. Now, the content will come from rural America, not piped in from the left coast or the right coast. We're going to talk about issues that matter to America directly from the Americans themselves. Now, we're just getting started. Our Kickstarter campaign launches soon, and you can keep up with the latest developments at dirtroadradio.com. That's all one word, dirtroadradio.com. Better yet, if you have a story to share, or know of someone who has a story to share, reach out to us. We'd love to get you involved in this new and exciting venture. So the title of this week's podcast is called Moving the Line. It's a technique employed by people that is designed to normalize the loss of our democracy and all its associated freedoms. So what is this line I'm talking about? Well, it's the line that exists between what is legal and what is illegal. It's the same line that distinguishes moral from immoral behavior. It's the same line that separates us from an organized free society and an overbearing authoritarian regime. This line is moving toward authoritarianism and fascism. In recent years, this line has been moving with increasing speed. Now, allow me to explain how this moving of the line works and why it works so well in any society that drifts toward extremist regimes. In his book, How Fascism Works, Jason Stanley identifies key mechanisms that these movements employ to undermine democratic values and manipulate societies into submission. Now, one of the tactics that authoritarians and fascists use is to constantly blur that line between what is legal and what is not. By manipulating existing laws and norms, they can normalize behavior that was once considered illegal or immoral. For example, we can see recent attacks on the LGBTQ community in several states, which are restricting the rights and freedoms of gay and transgender individuals. 
Similarly, women's rights for bodily autonomy and control over the reproductive organs are systematically being curtailed. Fascists and authoritarians are very good at exploiting legal means to move the line further in their favor. They step up to the newly redrawn line and enforce these laws to the maximum extent. This insidious process is often slow and subtle, like the metaphorical boiling of the frog. The frog doesn't realize he's in danger until it's too late. Now, allow me to dive deeper into this topic with a few examples. In our current political climate, we often hear the word democracy itself being disparaged. People claim that we don't live in a democracy, but rather a constitutional republic. Now, what they fail to recognize or perhaps deliberately ignore is that a constitutional republic is a form of democracy. The intention behind this rhetoric is to move the line further toward fascism by undermining the very concept of democracy. Now, in Nazi Germany, for example, Adolf Hitler exploited the economic and political instability of the Weimar Republic to undermine faith in democracy. He portrayed democracy as an inherently flawed system, incapable of addressing Germany's problems. Hitler's rhetoric focused on the need for a strong authoritarian government led by a single, decisive, patriarchal leader. By discrediting democratic principles, he facilitated the rise of the Nazi regime. A more recent example can be seen in Turkey under President Erdogan. Erdogan has systematically dismantled democratic institutions, stifled dissent, and consolidated power. He's often framed these actions as necessary to protect the country from internal and external threats, thereby undermining the credibility of democracy as a viable system of governance. We see this happening within our own shores as well, even as I speak. How many times have you heard politicians complaining about the, quote, deep state? They're actively pushing the line by complaining about our democratic institutions like the Justice Department, the FBI, the IRS, the EPA. What they're doing is that they're moving the line right in front of our eyes. They're doing exactly what President Erdogan is doing, getting everyone to see the government as an enemy of the people, and only a strong patriarch can clean up the mess and establish once and for all law and order. As an individual, what does all this line-moving do to you on a psychological level? Well, many of those that want to defend democracy and fight against this rising tide of fascism simply give up and disengage from the struggle. They become cynical about the government, and they withdraw and focus on their personal lives, effectively abandoning the fight for democracy. This especially happens in highly gerrymandered voting districts where people say things like, What's the use in voting? The game is rigged. My district is so gerrymandered that my vote doesn't go, isn't going to make any difference. This is precisely what the authoritarians and the fascist rulers want, a subservient society. This tactic has been known for centuries. In the late stages of the Roman Republic, political corruption and social unrest led many citizens to become disillusioned with the democratic process. Julius Caesar exploited this disengagement and cynicism to consolidate power and ultimately transformed the Roman Republic into an empire under his rule. Now, this sense of giving up doesn't necessarily mean people are inherently weak. It's simply human nature to give up when faced with overwhelming challenges or adversity. There are several factors that can help explain why some people disengage and become cynical in the face of threats to democracy. First of all, there's learned helplessness. It's a psychological phenomenon that occurs when individuals believe that they have no control over their circumstances, leading them to feel powerless and hopeless. In the context of defending democracy, individuals may feel 
that their efforts are futile, leading to disengagement and cynicism. There's also cognitive dissonance. It's the mental discomfort experienced when holding two or more contradictory beliefs or values simultaneously. In the face of rising authoritarianism or fascism, some individuals may experience cognitive dissonance and choose to disengage from politics to avoid the discomfort associated with confronting the challenges to their beliefs or values. There's also this thing called confirmation bias. It's the tendency to search for and interpret and remember information in a way that confirms one's own pre-existing beliefs. This bias can lead individuals to ignore or dismiss evidence that contradicts their beliefs, making it easier to disengage and become cynical about the state of democracy. There's also this thing called social influence, including conformity and groupthink, that can also play a role in driving disengagement and cynicism. Individuals may be more likely to adopt the attitudes and behaviors of their social group, including their online social group, particularly when they perceive that the majority of people around them are disengaging from the political process as well. Now, as individuals give up and surrender to the moving of the lines, it only encourages those already in power with authoritarian tendencies to keep moving the line further and further. The concept of pushing the line further and further is an incremental strategy to further erode democratic norms and values. Now, how do they push this line without inadvertently stepping over it and setting off alarms? By constantly testing the boundaries of what is considered acceptable, these line pushers work to shift public opinion and pave the way for more extreme policies and actions. An example of this phenomenon can be found in the actions of Georgia Republican Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene. Now, whether she's consciously aware of it or not, her extremist antics and outspoken support for Christofascism has positioned her as a line pusher. By voicing controversial ideas and pushing the limits of political discourse, Marjorie Taylor Greene serves to test just how far the line can be moved before facing widespread backlash. Now, when Greene pushes the line too far and generates significant controversy, other authoritarians have the option to quietly and subtly distance themselves from her. They can present themselves as more moderate or reasonable, thus avoiding the direct association with her more extreme views. And this tactic allows them to avoid immediate condemnation while still benefiting from the normalization of extremist ideas. On the other hand, if Marjorie Taylor Greene's actions do not provoke widespread outrage, other authoritarians and fascists will step up to the line alongside her and continue to push the line further. By doing so, they're able to explore new territory and move the political landscape closer to their desired goals. This process is insidious as it slowly normalizes extremist ideas and actions without drawing significant attention to the gradual erosion of democratic values. Another example of line pushing took place last month. The normalization of vilification of LGBTQ people is an ongoing issue that is gaining traction in various parts of the United States and around the world. And one example of this process can be seen in Iowa, where Governor Kim Reynolds recently signed Senate File 538 into law. This anti-LGBTQ plus bill bans age-appropriate medically necessary care for transgender youth, marking Iowa as the eighth state to enact a law restricting access to gender-affirming care. This legislation contributes to the normalization of vilification by pushing the false narrative that LGBTQ people, particularly transgender individuals, are somehow dangerous or unnatural. By targeting transgender youth and denying them access to essential health care, 
These laws send a clear message that transgender people are undeserving of the same rights and protections as their cisgender counterparts. This can lead to further discrimination and harassment and violence against transgender individuals, reinforcing the harmful stereotypes that contribute to their marginalization. The passage of these types of legislation often occurs in the context of a broader political movement that seeks to undermine LGBTQ rights. In the quick passage of Senate File 538, which came just days after a record-breaking number of Iowans protested against the numerous anti-LGBTQ plus bills introduced by lawmakers, illustrates the determination of some politicians to push through discriminatory policies despite public opposition. As these anti-LGBTQ plus policies become more commonplace, they create an environment where discrimination against LGBTQ individuals is not only tolerated, but in some cases, actively encouraged. This normalization of vilification is particularly dangerous for transgender youth who already face significant challenges related to their identity and well-being. The Human Rights Campaign, or HRC, which is the nation's largest LGBTQ plus civil rights organization, has condemned the passage of Senate File 538. Catherine Oakley, HRC State Legislative Director and Senior Counsel, stated that, quote, it is unconscionable that the Iowa legislature and Governor Reynolds are willing to play politics with the lives of transgender youth in this way. So I gotta ask, is there hope? Yes, there is hope. Despite the challenges, there is hope. What form does that hope take? Now, first of all, we as individuals need to wake up and recognize what is happening. We must find the majority of the population who are also fed up with our drift away from democracy. Find others who are willing to stand for freedom and democracy. Just as the Saxons defended themselves against the Vikings by standing shoulder to shoulder with overlapping shields and spears at the ready, we too must unite in the battle against enemies of democracy. Now, there are numerous examples of this happening successfully. The Indian independence movement, for example, under the leadership of Mahatma Gandhi. This independence movement utilized nonviolent civil disobedience as a means to oppose British colonial rule. The movement ultimately led India to led to India gaining independence in 1947. While there were instances of violence during this period, the overall strategy was focused on nonviolent resistance. Also, consider the civil rights movement of the 1950s and 60s. It was a struggle to end racial segregation and discrimination against African Americans. Leaders like Martin Luther King Jr. advocated for nonviolent resistance and civil disobedience, and the movement led to significant progress in the form of Civil Rights Act of 1964 and the Voting, right Act, the Voting Rights Act of 1965. Now, yes, these acts were slowly unwound due to nefarious individuals moving the lines, but we must not allow it to continue. We need to go back to the tactics employed by the civil rights leaders of those times. Only by organizing and standing shoulder to shoulder can we fight the movement of the line that ultimately separates freedom from fascism. This isn't a call to arms. This is a call to action. Well, that's it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And whether or not you agree with my concerns, I hope I was able to make you think. Hey, I don't want agreement. I simply want to inspire your ability to think and act on your beliefs. Next week, we'll feature an interview with Shavana Spratt, the executive director of an organization called The Hood Connect. The Hood Connect was developed to help black and under-resourced communities thrive. By first addressing personal needs and then providing support for sustainability, the organization helps individuals improve productivity for themselves and their families and their communities. 
The organization's goal is to address community members' needs through education, connection, and the provision of safe cultural spaces and opportunities. It'll be an interesting discussion. I hope you can be there. You've been listening to Democracy on the Move, a tribute to all those people and organizations who dare to reimagine our nation and drive it back to its original promise of democracy. Please tune in each week where we will feature guests and topics that will help keep you in touch with our march toward a more perfect union. If you have any questions or suggestions or if you'd like to spot your future episodes, we'd love to hear from you. Just send us an email at info at democracyandthemove.org or contact us on our webpage at democracyandthemove.org contact. Democracy on the Move is all one word. Theme music, Murky Waters, performed by El Rey Music, used under license from Shutterstock. I'm Dan Schaefer, your host for today's podcast, and I'd like to thank you for tuning in. It's been my pleasure to be with you today. Please have a safe week ahead. We hope you'll tune in again next week. <laughs>